welcome to the Max 6 Community Connections radio show and podcast with your host, Jennifer Burwell and Kyle McIntosh. Max 6 builds better communities where people and businesses thrive. We are broadcasting live from the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center in Tempe, Arizona, and we'll be shining a light on the incredible stories of businesses we work with and how they are serving our broader community. And here is this week's Community Connection. On today's show, we're talking with Nabil Ansara, the Director of Business Development for Team Logic IT, and Christy Kerner, the CEO and founder of My Little Mascara Club. And of course, Jen, keeping our ears warm from our East Valley office. How are you doing, Jen? Hello, I am well. How are you? Great. Uh, so I, I guess first question for you guys, just tell us a little bit about yourselves. Where'd you grow up? How'd you get from there to where you're sitting right now? Sure, you bet. So I actually grew up around several West Coast states. So about a dozen years in Utah, a dozen years in the Pacific Northwest, five in California, and then over a dozen in Arizona. Wait, did I just give you my age? Oops. <laughs> But yeah, I've I've been in Arizona for a little over a dozen years, but I got to say I love it. I've seen the business community in so many different states, and Arizona has this beautiful mix of people that are ambitious and really trying to create big things, but also not willing to do it at the cost of everything else in their life. So keep some semblance of happiness and balance and family and friends and all that. And I really love that. So I'll be in Arizona for a while. Love it. Chrissy, what brought you out here? Just curious. A boy. <laughs> that As story life goes you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> absolutely okay Nabil how about you oh I'm originally from Michigan the Detroit metropolitan area I was born and raised there lived there my whole life and have been in Phoenix for less than two years now and I have to say that I wish I would have made this decision sooner probably one of the best decisions that my family and I have ever made. Uh, There's a big difference between uh, the Midwest and the West Coast, you know, not to knock where I'm coming from. It kind of made me who I am, which I'm appreciative for. But I really, really enjoy um, the weather, the people. People are a lot happier here. And I, I think it has to do with the sun. I didn't realize how cloudy it was. My wife's originally from California and she moved to Michigan And she would always complain about her allergies and about the weather. You know, I didn't think it was really that bad until I left. You know, you're lucky in Michigan if you get, in the summer, uh, you're lucky if you get 30 really nice days. Where here, it's like, if there's a rainy day or a cloudy day, people are like taking off and like, (laughs) there is the opposite. So um, the culture out here is good. The economy is fantastic. Even with what's happening with COVID, things are still picking up. Companies are still moving out here. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really awesome. And what brought us out here actually was my wife had an incredible opportunity. I owned a recording studio for 15 years prior to getting into the MSP world. And I was doing what I'm doing now for another company. They weren't organized and ready for someone like me. So when it was time um, for that offer that she had, it seemed like the perfect time. My son was still not in school yet. And um, we were renting because we were in between houses. So it was a perfect time. It was a great time to come out and take a risk. And I I couldn't be happier with where we're living. Our neighborhood is awesome. There's just so much great community stuff. Team Logic has been awesome. So it's been great. Well, sorry, Kyle, I keep interrupting you. (laughs) It's a little tricky when I'm in a different place, but I wasn't going to let you just Brush that I owned a recording studio and right? then you just move on. Tell me more. So for 15 years, I owned and operated a recording studio in Detroit. It was successful, but with technology changing, it changed everything. So when I first got into my studio business, I had, uh, let's say, a, a, I'm going to talk geek for a minute, but an MPC 2000 drum machine. And at the time, it cost five grand, maybe more than that. And now if you fast forward 20 years later, that same piece of technology is worth is you can buy something even better for like $200. So my business had two areas. There was the area where I was recording local talent and producing it. 
that business started dying out real quick because everyone's like, why am I going to pay him? I'll just go buy the equipment, which is not a smart move because they don't know how to use it. But still, that was their ideology. But the other side of it, I was producing and licensing music to advertising agencies, uh, to national recording artists, uh, touring. I don't like to name drop, but with national recording artists. And that side of the business worked. So I ended up closing my studio about four or five years ago and moving it into my house because the stuff that was making me money were things that I could do on my own producing and composing music. So that other segment I kind of cut out. But the touring and and you grow up and things change. Um, I just wanted to make a change in business-wise. And I love sales. That's what made my studio and everything that I've made successful is because of the relationships that I built. So it was easy to make a transition. Do you, do either of you play music then? It sounds like you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what instrument? Um, I play, I learned how to play the guitar um, at an early age, like I think middle school. So I, I can still mess around with that. But um, uh, the keyboard and then the drum machine, sequencing drums and producing uh, drum sounds is kind of my specialty. That's very, awesome. Very cool. What about I love to sing. It's it's a guilty pleasure of mine for sure. I have a karaoke app that I looked the other day that over the last three or four years, I've recorded 700 songs. And I was wow. like, wow, I don't know if I should be proud or embarrassed right now. But <laughs> That's awesome. So I love that. But I do play the piano a little bit too. I haven't too many in my adult years, but I did a lot as a kid. I play the piano as well. We uh, th- This conversation keeps coming up. And I don't know why it's like a, a little secret that people have that we should definitely get like a band together with so people in the space so. or something. Max six band. Yeah, I like it. Is such a, it's such, it's something that creates emotion. It helps you connect to emotion so much. And so I think we don't have enough of it in life, especially now that we don't commute. That was literally my music time. So I'm missing it. Yeah, we used to have a talent show at Max 6. We at least at minimum should bring that back because we have a lot of talented, talented people. But I'm with you, Christian. Uh, I've been missing my commute time. Well, I haven't really been missing it on one hand, but on the other hand, it is my like quiet peace thinking time. And so talking about entrepreneurship and, and your music studio, Nabil, um, you, Christy, you also have a long history um, and a lot of experience with entrepreneurship. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I think, I mean, the short version for sure. (laughs) I I had parents that were pretty entrepreneurial, so I think I got a pretty early start to seeing what this lifestyle was like Mm -hmm. and that it goes up and it goes down and it goes around, but somehow you survive it all. And so for me, as a teenager, I had an opportunity to jump in and be the kind of founding operator of a dental practice that went from nothing to millions in revenue within a couple of years. And this was back in the early to mid 90s. And so it was a pretty significant lift for the little town that we were in. And I think that was the first time that I really just fell in love with building businesses and doing what it takes to everything from soup to nuts, right? And so after that, when I went corporate, um, maybe 10 years after my time in the dental world, I found that there were specialists and they would be extremely good in marketing or finance or different things like that, but that I had built a little bit of a superpower in connecting it all together. And that with specialists and generalists like me, we could do some amazing things, right? And so then I took that knowledge forward and built a handful of more companies for myself. Again, was kind of a founding executive on companies for a couple other people. I think my favorite part of not my favorite part of the journey because I really love what I'm doing now, but having the chance to run the Center for Entrepreneurship at ASU was probably something that was just really a cool experience for me because it was just really diving into what it means to build a company and helping influence and shape the perspective of that for a bunch of people that were interested in building companies. So That's awesome. Um, Kyle and I, well, our Max 6 had worked with um, many ASU companies in the beginning the ideas and the talent that comes out of and the of craziness that's just a couple <laughs> miles down the road is, is amazing. That's right. You um, guys were actually sponsors for some of the competitions, if I remember correctly. Uh, Arizona Collegiate Venture Competition and, yeah. and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And that kind of stuff. I mean, I, a part of it is occasionally we would get really lucky and have someone with a really stellar idea that had a lot of potential. But to me, I think we all agree that you kind of have to go through making a lot of mistakes in building companies. And so if nothing else, if they won a grand or two or three or whatever it was to get that chance to go out and take the boldness that we all start with and the naivety that we all start with and figure out that some parts are that easy, some parts are not that easy. 
some parts you're good at, some parts you're not good at, and kind of get through that first wave so that they have another, uh, a new level to stand on as they try something next. I think we've done a good job, you know? So I'm curious, before we get into uh, a lot of what we're going to talk about today with what you guys are doing right now, how much of that past experience of, I mean, we've gone from dentistry to a recording studio to, I know you've got various uh, entrepreneurial endeavors in your background, would you say is really framing how you do what you're doing today versus, hey, I'm just going to keep plotting through this and making my same, my mistakes and, and figure it out for myself? Yeah, definitely. Um, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. Um, in, in the metropolitan Detroit area, my entire family, and I have a huge family, every single male in my family, every single one except my father and my brothers, all own jewelry stores. So there's a collective of like 60 stores. Oh, wow. Um, each of them have, you know, five or six different ones in malls, some freestanding. So I grew up in that business from the age of, you know, nine, 10 years old. While I was starting my studio, I worked there part time too. Um, but my father is, um, played a big role too. He had a grocery delivery service where we primarily worked with handicapped group homes. We had contracts with the state. Uh, unfortunately, after September 11th, that whole thing came apart because the funding for 90% of our clients went away. But um, we were on the verge. I mean, at a, at the peak, we had four trucks and covering four counties in southeastern Michigan. And me and my brothers, I have two brothers, uh, Jimmy and Stevie, uh, they were both involved. Jimmy, um, Jimmy actually is the one who brought me on the tech side a couple of years ago. So he, at a very young age, was running the entire office. Um, and Stevie was um, more on my side of kind of uh, dispatching the trucks and loading and counting and making sure everything was set up. But he had a huge part of um, what I've done. And it's funny because now that I've moved away, I feel like I'm closer with my dad than ever because I'm always calling him and giving him feedback and things like that. So yeah, it, it, it really paved the way for um, the customer service side of things and how to treat people and how to lead by example. You know, you have a lot of people working for you. And if you're just sitting there with your feet up, you're not going to get the same response as if you're the first one doing everything all the time. You know, they really can't say anything. So he definitely instilled a, a lot of good things. Very cool. Yeah. I, I'd say for me that my experience, the culmination of that really for me has made me more able to take risk and at the same time more cautious. <laughs> because, you know, I'll place a bet occasionally, but I also know how many things can go wrong and what it really takes to build a company. Like before I just opted in to build this one, I legit, when I had the idea, I spent three months trying to talk myself out of it mm -hmm. from every angle that I could because I was like, I don't need this in my life right now. Like, <laughs> But I'm super glad that I did. But at the same time, it's, it's just not something I take lightly, right? So my hope is that it all sums up to be that I am able to do more with less resources, whether that's time or money, so I can do it faster, I can do it without wasting as much money. So that's where my my hope is that my experience has given me. But it's uh I say it sometimes as a joke and it's not a joke, uh, unfortunately, but like, this is the most expensive MBA you could ever get is doing this. And, yeah. It's true. But what fun would that be if you just went to school all the time? Just go <laughs> do it and break stuff and figure it out. And this is uh, you know, we'll provide some value along the way. Absolutely. <laughs> That's a fair statement. So Christy, tell us a little bit of background about what you're doing now. So My Little Mascara Club, how'd you get the idea? Where did it start? Yeah. So, you know, I've, I've, the last probably seven or eight years, I've spent a lot of time in Phoenix hanging out with a lot of growth company founders. So a lot of the businesses that I had built before were what I would consider lifestyle businesses. And again, they were you know, sometimes multi-million dollar businesses, but still not something that at the center of it had a model that could scale on a huge level really fast. So not in my definition of growth company, but hanging out with all of my buddies that had all these growth companies and being a part of the conversations and being alongside them as they lifted these companies up, I, I it was in the back of my head to try and find something that really truly had that scalable, repeatable heart at it or core in the model so that I could do something like that. Because I kind of wanted to test myself on it, see if I could create something even bigger than I have. And I also just think it's a cool business concept, right? So um, it was sometime around the point where I started Frankensteining my mascara together because believe it or not, there's a lot of components going on in just a mascara. There's a 
a lot of parts and pieces. And around the time that I started kind of bending the one that I had and dipping one brush into a different little vat of mascara, I was like, wait a second, what am I doing here? This, you know, it's the classic, you look for a problem to solve. And there are so many mascaras. And so it wasn't natural to me to think, like I usually look for deep innovation, right? Like what can I create that no one else has done? But there's something really smart about doing something that does already exist, but just doing it better. Because in, again, previous businesses, I've been on that cusp of innovation and you have to spend so much time and money educating people about the concept when nobody's searching for your stuff versus building something that, again, is just an improvement on a concept that already exists. So um, it was that paired with the idea that I also kind of just got thinking, you know, honestly, I always forget to pick up a new mascara. It gets old. It gets nasty. I have no long how, no idea how long I've had it around, but at... Well, I mean, for some people, 6 a.m. For more, for me, more like 8 or 9 a.m. when I'm getting ready. Um, that's when I'm hurrying through something, putting my mascara on, and I'm thinking, oh, crap, I got to get a new one, right? I don't think of it again until the next morning when I'm hurrying to get ready and go somewhere. And so it's one of those things that's just hard to remember to replenish in life, at least from myself and a lot of people that I surveyed. So it all just kind of came together with the idea that a subscription model like Dollar Shave Club with a mascara that was right-sized so that it wouldn't get nasty before you run out of mascara. And in addition, building the best product that my opinion created as well as data. I did make sure to survey other people because I know that's important. So, <laughs> So that was kind of the genesis, I suppose. I can't say I understand the pain, but I, I do understand what you're saying. Well I know. Over here. He's so, I love it. <laughs> Everything you said made total sense. I understand sense, the pain. <laughs> Thanks, Jen. <laughs> um, Nabil, what about yourself uh, and, and Team Logic? What do you guys do? Uh, uh, what is co managed IT? Tell us a little bit about sure. that. Sure. Yeah. So, Team Logic IT is a national franchise, which is really awesome because we are local here to Phoenix. Um, but with 207 offices across the country, we can really collaborate with companies that are growing. If you have a headquarters here or maybe on the East Coast, um, I can locate another office out there and we'll hold the contract and, and do all the help desk, but they will be the boots on the ground if you need them. But essentially, um, Team Logic IT is your IT department. We are your IT department. You call us and we take care of your stuff. Um, it's, it's a little more than that. We're able to really implement the right things to help your business grow through technology. So we're not like um, the term break fix. And what I mean by that is customers don't just call us when something is wrong. We have um, 98% of our clients are on a retainer. Uh, so they pay us a monthly, and in return, uh, we provide multiple levels of service, including local help desk, um, business continuity, backing up your uh, data, um, just really preventative. All of our um, technicians are highly skilled, uh, English-speaking right here in the you know Phoenix area. Uh, so if there's on-site that needs to happen, we can deploy them to come out. But really, we're managing your infrastructure, keeping you up to date on really what's going on, and then training on cybersecurity issues. Uh, and we can get into that later, but uh, a big part of what we do is really keeping employees to know what to click on and what not to click on, because really the human error is the biggest uh, threat to your infrastructure. So quick little testimonial on that, because um, you guys support our Mac 6 team and yes. do an amazing job. And nice. just this week, I got an email um, saying that they were needed Bitcoins and I don't know, some ridiculous thing. And I was like frozen because I was like, oh no, what do I do? Can I forward it? Do I send it? But I got you guys on um, on the phone. And within an hour, you guys were on my computer. They figured out the problem. I learned, like I was telling Kyle, a whole education on like, yes. the dark web and where you can go. And it's a scary world out there. It but is. the person I talked to was so helpful. And so like sometimes what I found with other, with IT companies is, they talk in a different language and you can't understand yes. really what they're saying or needing or what you're supposed to do. Um, but you guys are always so personable and I can understand and I, I thought like I learned something. And um, also I have the confidence that the problem was taken care of quickly and efficiently because my whole email system was in jeopardy and, you know, I'm trying to get 10 things done, but anyways, I can go on and on. Yeah, no, the fishing, the fishing is a huge problem and we hire for this. You know, we have values, be kind, 
you know, to our clients, um, be excellent. Uh, you know, we're outgoing with them and we're educational and we're always trying to help them because you can hire the best technicians, but we're in the customer service business. If they don't know how to talk to our clients, um, that is a real big issue. So we really pride ourselves on speaking your language and really being able to problem solve and educate on the way because you are correct. And a lot of other IT companies, you get the technicians who go into geek and they speak a different language, or I'll be honest, sometimes they can be condescending. You know, they're know-it-alls and they expect you to know it all. And that's not how our business works. If our clients knew everything, they wouldn't need us. So we're really big on educating and helping them and uh, making sure they're doing all the right stuff and, and, you know, making them feel good about it's okay. Things happen and we're going to take care of it for you. And that's what we're here for. So, you know, we hire on that principle. I like that you brought up the values. And I was just having a conversation yesterday where it feels like we were trying to differentiate pieces of our business and saying, well, this part's kind of a commodity and this part we really provide value for. It's like anything anyone's paying for can be commoditized. But what is that real value proposition that you're giving someone? Sounds like peace of mind and really that your communication, speak the language, not tech, not geek tech, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. I, you know, I was also having a conversation yesterday about you guys and how it's been, I mean, a relatively short period of time that we've been working together, but there's some things we've been trying to do for nine years and it took until the last six months that we've ever been able to actually do it. And it seems easy. That is the case. The two things at the same time, we can actually do what we're trying to be doing trying to have been doing and it's easy uh speaks volumes for uh i don't have to understand it cool you guys have figured it out for us and we have a fantastic team with a fantastic culture and everyone there brings something different to the table and um we're all we all have the same goal so we're all working together to make sure that our clients are happy and always looking for improvement uh, we do technology business reviews with all of our clients on a yearly basis. So it's a great opportunity to learn what's changed. Uh, what can we do better? How can we help improve things? Um, and, you know, we're actually right now conducting one a week so we can get in touch with everyone and see how we can uh, continue to help them through these struggling times. What, and Chris, uh, Christy, I know uh, just because we're on this topic of values or purpose or yeah. uh, just in a little bit of uh, homework before this, uh, your mission isn't necessarily just about mascara. Uh, can you talk about what that underlying, yeah. uh, what are you doing for people? For sure, yeah. I, yeah. Our mission is actually to help people, primarily women, feel better about themselves in life. And it's such an interesting thing to me because I legit, I don't know, I don't know if I've ever met a human that's just walking around feeling great and has like no problems in their head and no negative head speak or anything like that, right? So kind of there's an undercurrent going on throughout every experience that we have with each other as humans throughout life that is a little bit of an unspoken part and a place where we can make a difference. Like I think, Nabil, what you're doing, uh, you're giving people a lot of dignity, right? They're in a moment where they're feeling vulnerable and they're feeling frustrated and they're feeling all these things that depending on what their negative head speak looks like, it could be they feel dumb. It could be they feel a lot of different things. But you guys come in and give people dignity and give people that chance to have a good experience while they're going through something that is a little bit vulnerable for them, right? So similarly with us, what we're trying to do is to create what we call happy moments. And so when people get our package in the mail, it has some really fun, cute, because I don't know, pretty is important as a part of our, our brand here, but something that is inspiring to look at and to remind you like what's really important and what really matters and that you are a good person, even if you're not perfect yet. So There's that we have throughout our content, throughout the little emails, you know, when we send an email to confirm your order, it doesn't just say, hey, your order's on the way, right? It has something nice that gives people dignity and hopefully makes them laugh a little bit. Like we look for every touch point within our experience with people to brighten their day in one way or another. So again, one of the things that I've, in every company I've had over the last 10 years, I've invested, one of my line items is literally the spoil budget. And it's the budget that is there to spoil my customers in one way or another. And so right now, a big part of what that's dedicated to is that each of our members get a little box in every package. And the outside of the box just says little box of happy. And then there's a surprise inside with kind of a custom message that is designed to be their message for that month or whatever to help them stay focused on, again, feeling better about themselves, being a little kinder to themselves and having a little better life. So 
That's awesome. It's fun. And I, I, I could see how uh, how that could be important because with word of mouth, you know, if someone's having a good experience, they're going to tell their girlfriend. And they're sure. going to talk about it. And that is going to kind of help bring bring in more business. And people need that. Absolutely. Yeah. Before COVID, thanks COVID, um, we actually would insert these little cards that basically had a message on the front that would say like, you're beautiful. Yes, I'm talking to you. And women would just leave them like in a dressing room or a restaurant or uh, at a coffee shop, just leave it somewhere. And then someone comes along and encounters it. And it's like, wait, what is this? Right? So we invite all of our customers to join us in trying to create happy moments for other people and create that network effect. Because yeah, of course, from a business sense, I appreciate people spreading the word about my company, right? I definitely am not going to lie about that because that's a big part of how we can grow. But more importantly to me is this idea that um, we can be just dropping little moments out there for a lot of people that help them feel a little bit better and help them, you know, maybe then when they go home that night, they are in a little better mood and then their kids have a little better experience or, you know, they are getting along a little better with their spouse because they're not feeling as frustrated from their day. So just really trying to like lift the world in a way, just one little happy moment at a time. So. That's awesome. What's the uh, Barry Waymiller uh, book, Everybody Matters? Really good book. Came to us through Conscious Capitalism, which uh, we started the local chapter here. And Barry Waymiller is a multi-billion dollar packaging company, basically. Works for a lot of really huge, huge brands globally. And he started this uh, this metric in his company to measure divorce rates of his employees and what? said to what you're saying, if I can give someone a sense of purpose and when they show up at work, they're valued and their contributions are valued, they know what they're here for every day and not just as a piece of this bigger machine, but that they're really creating value in the organization They'll show up happier at home. They'll bring that instead of, you know, whatever might happen. And uh, it's it's an interesting thing because it seems like it shouldn't have anything to do with anything. But uh, it's just this extra little thought process of, in conscious capitalism speak, I guess, it's stakeholder orientation. Who are all the people that are positively or negatively? What are all the touch points or who are affected by the decisions that we make as a business and how can we positively affect the lives of everybody that touches this business. I think uh, what I'm hearing from both of you is these extra little touch points beyond just the transactional transactional pieces of being an IT company, being a mascara provider. It's giving people uh, a sense of purpose themselves. I think a a subtlety that stood out to me when Nabil was describing his company is Clearly, you know, he's passionate and has a a strong company and he delivers really well for his customers, as Jen described, right? But it's also the piece in the middle that you've created something amazing on, right? All of the people that get to work for you and get to deliver those experiences to those customers, like they get to go home feeling better about themselves. You know, they weren't the one that went and was jaded towards someone or was rude to someone because there's a good chance that there's some kind of like negative leftovers in their head after doing that type of thing. Uh, Whether they're super conscious of it or not, it can create something within them. And so you're giving a lot of people the opportunity by guiding them through this set of values and through this like way that you do business to go out there and be a part of the community here in Phoenix that, again, feels better about themselves because they know they're doing something important, something valuable, something that really takes care of people in a unique way. So it's like from every direction, you're making a big difference. And I think that's cool. Thank you. We're trying. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what I love about the power of business, right? Because when you look through this lens, it's not just dollars and cents at the end of the month or year. Um, it's divorce rates and creating happy and having, you know, a woman look in the mirror and have a little bit more confidence than she did the day before. And those are the things like at the end of your life, those are the things that matter, right? Like what impact did you have on others and how well did you live your life? Um, and so that's, that's what personally drives me with business. And I get so excited to talk to, um, people like you guys in the studio, um, but that speaks, I think, to the bigger community that we're all a part of um, in Arizona. We talked about it a little bit in the beginning. Um, but I know, Chrissy, you're part of the Yes Phoenix movement, and it has grown. Um, I kind of have watched peripherally, and I've noticed that it has been growing. Can you tell us a little bit about that community and your involvement? Yeah, you know, it was 
there was like the, I don't know, the dinner that happened back in 2013 when the idea was born of of um, YesPHX. And I wasn't a part of that. But fortunately for me, I was friends with a handful of the people of the maybe five people that were there. I probably knew three or four of them. And so I was given the awareness of it pretty early on. And to me, I just thought it was such a cool thing because it's basically just a way for us to connect. And again, connection, I think connection, community, it's hard to describe how important it is, but it really is important. That sense of belonging, that sense of camaraderie, that ability to reach out to someone when you have a question, when you need help, when you need support, like any of that kind of stuff. It's having friends in this sort of way, right? And so with entrepreneurship or the startup community or business owner community specifically, it can be um, sometimes we aren't good at things that people place on us. We aren't good at like rules or, uh, you know, <laughs> things that people try and make us do. That's not really generally a personality fit for us. So having YesPHX be something that was kind of by the people for the people, just a hashtag that nobody owned, nobody was, you know, controlling, I felt was an incredible fit for something that could support uh, the growth of the community here. And so I just got really loud about it. Everybody I saw would hear about YesPHX. <laughs> and so, and at the time I was running a lot of events, I was launching Startup Grind here in town. So I had, I had the ears of a lot of people. And so, um, so for me, I just felt like it was something that was important because um, company building can be a really lonely road. I feel like we are really blessed to not have it be that way here in Phoenix, particularly. But anybody that's been at it for a while knows that like, in a company that I had, I had an alternative fitness center in Tempe for about seven years. I sold this company about five years ago. And so I had 6,000 square feet where I was just trying to make it fun for women to stay active. All kinds of crazy cool classes running all the time, right? And so in this company, I had some killer years. I had some really amazing years. And then I remember one period in particular where after a few strong years, I don't know what changed in the market, but something changed. I wasn't doing anything different, but suddenly we had a really strong dip in the business. And when you're a business owner, like you get to live off of the top part of whatever's left over for the most part, you know, sure. unless you get fancy and extra smart about it. But I was still not that educated. So so for me, I had built a lifestyle off of the more than six figure income I could pull from that. Right. So when it suddenly took a big dip, that dip hit me specifically. And I remember the feeling of staring down payroll and being like, well, I guess I'm going to figure out how to pull this off my credit card, right? Like, I mean, there's moments that we've all had in business that are just so intense and so lonely. And when you are going through something as a business owner, you're trying to survive a lot of the time, trying to juggle a lot of things. But yet it's our responsibility to be there as a leader for other people. And so it's just a vortex where we can't crack. We can be really authentic and we should be with our teams, right? But we also can't burden them with the level of risk that we encounter and all of the things that are going on inside of us because they're not entrepreneurs because that's not their cup of tea, right? Um, and so we can't totally crack to our team. If we try and crack too much at home, that can turn out bad too because, again, often there's like a stable person at home, which is what enables us to be able to be the crazy people that we are. And so it's not really their cup of tea to hear all of the roller coaster either. Um, so being able to have this community concept of being able to connect business owners to each other and founders to each other, to me, is something that I just feel like is so important. And so for me, that's a lot of what my efforts in YesPHX have been is to just connect people in ways that help them feel that sense of community, help them feel that access to people that understand them and that are like them. And then from there to um, make sure that people are aware of what's happening and being connected in ways that are useful. You know, so if I meet someone one day that is, has an IT services company and I meet somebody the next day that's talking about how frustrating it was to get a phishing attack that one of their employees fell for, like, I'm absolutely going to put that two and two together and connect them. And to me, that's a big part of what YesPHX is about, is just all of us trying to hold that connection and increase it so that we can all do better and kind of be successful together. That sounds great. Nabil, we, we talked briefly on the phone um, uh, two days ago or something. And, yes. and you, were, you were talking to me. It was the nature of what you do for Team Logic. Uh, wanting to get involved in the community and whether that's through the Tempe Chamber or Max 6 and how, you know, here's all this energy and then COVID hits. And, yeah. Uh, but it, I, I would guess that you would share a lot of the sentiment that, that Chrissy just shared of for all kinds of reasons to be involved. And, and part of it is, you know, a business development function of what you do. But really, it's uh, 
I mean, for me, it, it goes so much beyond that when I'm out in the community where it's, uh, hey, if I have something that can help you out, cool, we've got something over here and I can tell you about it. But if I can help, if I can be around people, if I've certainly gone through all kinds of stuff that I could help, you know, need help with or, or just a shoulder to cry on at some right. point. Uh, and uh, I was laughing about your uh, having a stable person at home and probably more of a rule follower than the entrepreneur as well. But yeah, I, I remember that. Um, how much are you out, you know, in the community? Um, you told me that you've joined the chamber. Um, yeah, I'm out in the community a lot, um, meeting with a lot of different clients, you know, doing a lot of stuff over Zoom now. Because, you know, it's really based on what um, clients are looking for. Some people just don't want you in their office. So you have to conduct business a little differently. But I have some great referral partners and IT, IT is funny because not everyone understands, you know, it, it's broken up into two areas. You have hardware and you have software and sometimes people will call and, you know, what they need is something that we don't specialize in. But we have a lot of referral partners and I'm always excited to connect people because referrals is a great way for entrepreneurs to grow their business. I mean, it's a vetted um, person who's just trusts the source and is ready to move forward. Um, so a lot of times we'll get a call and sometimes they might need somewhere on along the lines of a website or application development. Well, I have a really awesome person who specializes in that and I will make the connection. Um, I will do an intro call, intro email, and I just want to connect people and make sure that they have the help they need. Because really at the end of the day, when you can help people, they remember that. And when something does come up that they remember what I do, they're going to call me back. Uh, there's a lot of times where a client might be too small. I have a great reference for another IT uh, person who handles those smaller deals that we might not take on. So I want to problem solve and I want to help whoever's calling me, whether it benefits me or not, because I know in the long run, that ideology is always going to bring things back. And it feels good to help people, you know? It does feel good to help people. That's, that's true. I mean, that's really why we do what we do, right? I mean, there's this uh, this narrative out there about capitalism or, or big business, and it's all about, you know, screwing people over to get all this money. Like, while there are bad things that happen with a few people, like, why do I, why do any of us get up out of bed every morning to try and help people? Yeah, like, it's true. The money or whatever is just a yardstick of our ability to do that for more people. Right. I agree. It's just, it's what creates a vehicle to be able to do it. Yeah. Being honest with people is really the way to go. I, I am, and, and our team is, um really practices. We don't just make suggestions to upsell and to charge more. We really like to do a full discovery, learn what's going on, and then, you know, provide the custom tailored solution to their need to help them achieve their business goals, not just give them the package of stuff they don't need and they're paying for Uh, because a lot of companies do that and they can see the difference when you come in and you're honest and you're really asking the right questions and doing assessments on the spot to gather the right information so you can at least propose the right solution for them and give them what they need to grow and not just charge them and charge them. So curiosity question, we had a uh, bit of a love fest for Arizona in the beginning and I right there with you and uh, Jen and I are natives. I moved around a little bit but came back. Do you it seems like your services would uh, translate to a broader market but do you, are you guys focused just Arizona um, broader than Arizona where all do you each of you focus? Oh, uh, you can go ahead. Sure. Uh, yeah. So we we sell all across the U.S. for sure, right? So mascara, mascara everywhere. Um, but our our actual team is here in Arizona, and I I don't know whether as we grow whether we will do some remote team members. I mean, I definitely think that it's possible. I've been a part of remote teams. I've helped scale remote teams. I I think that there's nothing wrong with that. And I think COVID has helped us all realize that, right? But there is, to me, a little extra magic of being able to be with your team and have those casual conversations. I mean, you have to really structure. I've had experiences in the past with spread out teams where um, you don't have that water cooler conversation. And so it's easy for the relationship to suffer because you're just hitting it hard with the business that needs to be taken care of and then ditching out again because you got to go, right? And so you have to be very deliberate. And if you miss that, then it can really hurt relationships when you have a remote really remote team workers, um, teammates. So for me, there is an extra magic. So my intention is really probably to build out my company here in Phoenix as we grow. Okay. 
Uh, well, well, Team Logic is a national franchise, as I mentioned, and it's sort of regulated with zip code. So when it comes to the Phoenix area, our area is Tempe, Mesa, and downtown and central Phoenix. Uh, so those are the areas locally that we're targeting, uh, the businesses that we're targeting. But because we are a national franchise, like I said, if we do have clients that um, we get a referral for outside of the state, we can definitely support them and work with our other offices. So that that's primarily how it works. Very cool. It's uh, we're, we're doing our own learning here as we're Max 6 going through this pandemic along with everybody else. And hopeful that uh, sooner than later, or, or people still have that feeling that you just expressed, Christy, that, look, we have the ability to gens on Zoom right now. It's incredible that we could do this right. with some of us in the room, some of us not, and have meetings and, and ways to communicate with each other. And we've got space out here, and I'm pointing to our co-working space where people uh need to be in person sometimes too. Yeah. And so I think it's going to be a shift of what happens in the market. And I think, uh, I think all of us have probably experienced some of that in the last, uh, in the last months. What has there been any big impact on you guys other than, Oh, cool. We get to really quick figure out some new technology and how to keep the wheels turning. Um, what's maybe something positive that you've seen come out of this? Uh, well, I'm working remote um, a little bit, and I'm a little bit in the office as well. I'm an adaptable person, so I, I understand what you're saying. Um, the effort with the team, there's a bit of a loss there. Uh, at the same time, me personally, I feel very proactive and still getting a lot, actually probably working more hours than I did before because there's no commuting. Um, you know, my son goes to sleep. I can work later in the night. I can get up early. Um, and for my health, I've... Um, I've been able to consistently work out uh, in a way that I never have before because I don't have to, you know, go to a gym, change, shower. I can do get up early, get everything done, start my call. So, you know, it's a balancing act. You know, I'm looking forward to things, you know, sort of getting back to normal. Um, but, you know, me being in sales, you know, being in the office all the time isn't exactly ideal. I need to be out in front of clients, you know, uh, having meetings, proposing uh, new solutions. So it's it's a little bit of both. But I just try to be positive about it. And it's nice because we're all going through this together. It's not just like an isolated situation. It's true. Uh, everyone is dealing with it. Um, so I just try to look at the pros and cons. And um, I've actually done quite a few videos talking about, um, I post one to two videos a week on LinkedIn. And I've done a few videos on just things to do uh, working remotely to keep on track. You know, for example, Wake up early, take a shower, get dressed. You know, just because you can be in your pajamas, don't do that. Your mindset will change uh, when you can get ready, get dressed. Um, if you're feeling stuck, take a break. You know, go walk around the block, go water the garden. I had an issue where I was like writing a proposal and I was super frustrated that I couldn't get the wording right. So I took a break and me and my son went and watered the garden. And while I was doing that, it's like Aww. everything started flowing. It was perfect. I came back in and I, I just felt so much more productive. Uh, so, you know, just setting certain rules, you know, start at a certain time, end at a certain time, take some breaks and communicate with your team, whether you're using Teams or Slack, stay in touch. And, you know, I try to do that as much as I can. So try to lead by example and kind of practice what I preach. Sure, sure, I, cool. I think for me, COVID has been interesting because although we are a couple of years into, you know, it takes a lot of research and development and testing and manufacturing and all kinds of stuff to develop private label products. But we actually publicly launched in March. And so a part of what I like to joke about is I thought it was so brilliant to have a product that women, most women won't leave the house without. I just never anticipated a world in which women stopped leaving their houses. What yeah. the heck, right? So um, <laughs> it was a little rocky at the very beginning. Um, but I think there have just been so many blessings for my business from personal. I think a lot of it, like you described, is rather than saying work-life balance, I think I would say work-life fit, right? Because we tend to be finding balance as entrepreneurs with a different ratio than some people, and that's okay. Um, but to be able to be around my family and to be able to have, like you said, there's something about the whole world being in the same spot that meant that if I wanted to take a break or slow down or adjust things a little bit, I still felt like the world around me was still moving so fast. Yeah. I was just going to get behind and I had to catch up. But when the whole world freaking slowed down a little bit, 
oh my word, it enabled me to create that better sense of balance within my own head and reprioritize my time. And even in the midst of building a startup, be able to still binge watch a couple shows and do some of the things that our family likes to do together. And yeah. so I, I think, think as Americans, we need it to slow down a little bit. We, yeah. you know, I've, sure. I've been all over the world and, you know, different places, uh, they, they appreciate their downtime and their family a lot more. We're just right. money, 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 money and going 90 Chase miles an it. hour. This really slowed everything down. So, I mean, I really get to enjoy my son and my family more, cooking at home more. But on a professional side, our team really has gotten a lot tighter. There's been certain processes that we wanted to start implementing, like we were talking about with traction and um, all the other stuff with the system. We've refined things um, in a way that we didn't have time to do before. You know, we're getting better at a lot of processes. And um, I think it's a blessing when things start to pick back up, we're really going to be ready to take on um, more uh, because we have a process in place for everything now. And we didn't really have a chance to do that as much. So yeah, I just try to look at the positive side of it. I was just going to comment that I just, I love all of everything that you've shared and I can so relate to it. I think um, I've shared with Kyle before that right before COVID, because, um, so I am a vice president and director at Max Six. I, my family owns a donut business that we started in October, which also was not that great of timing. And then, you know, I have three kids under six. So I have a lot in my life. And wow. literally in March, I was like, you know, at this pace, like, I don't, I don't know how this is sustainable. Because yeah. I like right. every day, I feel like there's not enough hours in the day. And then COVID hit. And of course, it's been challenging and, and stressful and all those things. But it's really positive to like re-examine and restructure. And I was, I was joking with my husband um, today because he, he works for um, Charles Schwab and he, um, they're not going back to work till sometime next year. And he's he's really not enjoying it at all. And I am like, I am built for this because yeah. <laughs> I work from home. So it's, it's exactly what you guys are saying. Like I can set my own schedule. Um, and I'm grateful that my children, um, they now are back back at a school. So I have my days back. And but I can fit things in and I am so much more productive. Right. And I feel so much more balanced and I feel like I'm achieving more. Right. But I also feel like I have that permission to take a break when I need it because we're all in this. Um, so it's been it's kind of been a, a really incredible shift, but I do totally agree, Chrissy, and I actually just wrote a blog about it, is that piece, that water cooler talk that you miss out is so, so important. And I know that we, we struggle at, struggle with it a bit on our Max 6 team and companies that I've been talking to, um, that connection time. I think that's the next piece that like all companies need to figure out as we shift to potentially this more, this future of more flexible work. So I think it's, it's such an important thing to be thinking about. It, it sounds so silly to say it, but we're all humans, right? Like, And so at the end of the day, that's, a big part of it is the human to human connection. And so I think you're right. We're going to have to find ways in the remote world to enhance that and improve that. And I think that'll what, that's always what will keep something like Max 6 relevant. Because at the end of the day, I'm going to be seeking back my time with humans as soon as humanly possible. So <laughs> I think there, and I'm not like an extrovert. I think sometimes it might be easy to think I am because I talk a lot and I go a lot of, to a lot of events and things. But um but I think, you know, we all are always seeking that human connection and that's something that'll never go away. Absolutely. And I think an interesting shift that Kyle and I have been seeing is, and we've been watching, obviously, what's going to happen to commercial space in the future. And we, the more and more we read is, you know, this flexible, people have realized that we can be virtual. And so maybe companies don't need these 100,000 square foot buildings. They need to partner with co-working spaces where where people who need desks and community and connection can come. So, I mean, we're really hoping obviously that that's, that's the trend, but I think, um, I could see a logic that I see. I heard from both of you, something I'll categorize as, uh, emotional intelligence. I know it was a topic that, uh, we had talked about in the past and, the ability to self-recognize that I need to take a step back. I need to take a break without it being thrust upon you all the time or, or with a COVID-like event or um, your ability uh, to be able to say, okay, I'm stuck. I need to go get out of my seat, go water the garden with yeah. my, my child and 
poof, it just clears what's there. And I mean, a part of the uh, emotional intelligence is being able to recognize in others. But I think a lot of what doesn't get talked about is being able to recognize in yourself what's going on inside so that if I'm struggling, like Jen's talking about her husband being at home and I don't fit this environment, I don't like this, how do I pull myself out of this and create a more productive environment? So what, I mean, I I know you study this, Christy. It it has to be a big part of what you do, Nabil, with like just all the people you're interacting with. I'm just curious on your guys' takes on this. So do we have another hour? (laughs) I'm just kidding. No. So I think, Kyle, I think it's great you brought that up because to me, even in the small moments, again, like I'll have a day where I'll show up and I'll be really warm and friendly. And then I'll have a day where I'll show up and I think I'm still being fine, but it turns out I'm being less warm and friendly. Right. And my team will be like, are you okay? And like, sometimes you just have to reflect what is actually happening inside of me. Or sometimes I'll finish a day and I'll be, I'll have just this kind of sense of uneasiness and that type of thing. The reason it's important to recognize what's going on inside of ourselves is because we, if we don't pause and take a look, we tend to do weird things on the outside to offset it. So we fall into weird behavior patterns that are not cool to other people and not healthy for us. And then we feel guilty and then we just go into all kinds of crazy loops, right? So if we can track it back to those moments where we feel either grumpy or anxious or some kind of like unrest and then pause for a moment and say, what am I actually feeling? Okay, wait, I just got off a call with someone and they were like a little rude. I wonder if they thought I'm stupid or, you know, whatever it is that is probably the emotion behind this gray emotion that we just feel something. When we can pause and take those moments and just take a hot second to sort through it and be like, maybe they're just having a bad day. Okay, moving on now. Like it goes away. And then we get to step forward being our best self again. And that creates a better experience for us all day long, every day. And the other people around us, because again, we don't show up in the next situation doing something weird, right? So I just think that understanding ourselves and what's going on. I think the other thing, again, topic for another day, I suppose, is I really believe that actually as humans, each of us have two or three strong themes. And that when we can identify like what that record is that plays inside of ourselves, it's not like we have to figure out so many things. There's usually a couple things that just routinely show up over and over with slightly different flavors to them. And so it can be something that is really tackleable to understand what's going on inside of ourselves and be able to start building a a foundation of strength to not fall for some of the negative messaging that plays inside of our head, whether it's coming from an external experience triggering it or just kind of the back talk that stays there. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, the COVID thing really threw me off at first and uh, I, you know, I wasn't necessarily as upbeat certain days there was like better days than others and uh god bless my wife she's awesome she she really knows me well and um i wasn't working out like i normally do and she was like you need to start running again because your attitude towards everything is so different when you're able to do that and i started working out and running more in february and march after the, all this stuff started happening. And I tell you now that I, and I, I'm no lie. I, the day that I don't, I take one day off and it, it's a regret every week. So now no more days off. And that's just a personal thing. And now I'm up to running. I did a 10 K, not a professional, but I, you know, 6.3 miles on Sunday. And I, every Sunday I push myself a little bit more nice and being done, able man. to work out and being able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, completely changes my attitude. And I feel like it keeps me more focused, um, better attitude with clients, definitely better attitude at home. Sort of doing that has been a very big part of helping me be positive. So we definitely need another hour at some point, but I (laughs) would love to deep dive on this. Um, We don't have time for that. I just want to make sure we, there's a question we always ask uh, at the end of every show that has nothing to do with anything. And uh, it's a curiosity question and I always get something out of it and we're collecting answers on this. And so quickly, as we're wrapping up here, what is your favorite book? And if it's different, what book would you recommend? Oh my word. I got you on that one. All right. Go for it. Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. That is by, and I don't read a lot. Uh, I like to read informational stuff. I'm not, I can't get lost in a novel. I'm just not that person. 
but I love uh, things that are going to set my mind up the right way. And Thinking Grow Rich is, if you haven't read it, listen to it, audio, it is a, an amazing book that will just really restructure how you think of everything. If you ever he- heard of The Secret, The Secret's a little more fantasy to it. Um, <laughs> Thinking Grow Rich is is very logical and it's from, you know, 80 years, 100 years ago. It's uh, It's an amazing book. Game changer for sure. Great. I would say, um, you know, because I spend so much of my headspace in this realm of company building and entrepreneurship, I think I would just have to say the hard thing about hard things because it just was one where a a founder that built some really big companies was really honest about how torturous it was. (laughs) And I just really like people understanding that they're not alone in difficult times and that everything that looks so polished from the outside because you just see the press releases as they come along every couple of years had a lot of a lot of crazy stuff that took to get to each press release. And so I think the honesty of that book is really what I would give that one for. There's a quote joke that I heard from somebody one office over years ago. It was floating around that everyone looks at the entrepreneur and like, look at that guy. He's riding a lion and he's just, he's got it under control. He's riding that lion while the entrepreneur is saying, holy I'm on a lion. How am I doing this? That's a good analogy. This is fair. All right. So now for my question, um, what's one thing that most people don't know about you and when they find out they're surprised? I would say I have um, stepkids that are what I think... Oh, shoot. I should have done the math on this first. (laughs) I'm just kidding. They are uh, 16 and 22. And every time I say that, I feel like people look at me like cradle robber. And I'm like, no, my husband's only like a year older than me. Like, I swear. (laughs) So that's one that just for some reason always gets caught on me. Awesome Um, boys, girls. Two boys. Yeah. Great kids. Really lucky in that department. I have a passion for cooking and um, being Middle Eastern and coming from Detroit. I make the most incredible hummus you've ever had in your life. And sometimes Ooh. people get surprised. I It was actually on its way to sort of becoming a side business. But with COVID and with everything else, I kind of re-strategized my priorities. But my son and I have a, we have a bond where we, uh, I make, make him homeless like twice, two, three times a week. That's how it started. And before I knew it, I was making it for his school. Half his teachers were buying it. My oh. neighborhood, everyone in the neighborhood purchased his stuff. So it's uh, it's been pretty interesting. So that's that's kind of something that people don't expect. You're kind of going to have to follow up with this on this one, man. Yeah, I got you guys. Uh, okay. I know. And Nabil, we're neighbors. So I, yeah. I don't have to look up. <laughs> now, so. now she's like, by the way, remember. Yeah. And I'm serious. <laughs> uh, Jennifer, send me an email when you get some time. And then I can make some and drop some off for you. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That and then you can awesome. tell you can tell the rest of the team if it's good or not. I will eat it on our next team <laughs> virtual meeting. Yeah, good. <laughs> Check out our, um, our Max Six Facebook right now. We have a vegetarian uh, cooking competition going on. That started yesterday. Oh wow! Oh, that's great. So, uh, Perfect. We'll talk about that when we have our meeting next uh, couple yeah, of days. Yeah, yeah. I sure. would love to enter that. That's for sure. So. In the next hour, whenever we can figure out time to do it, we'll talk about more about emotional intelligence and hummus businesses and all kinds of things. But uh, last thing uh, before we start signing off here is how can we find you guys online, um, whether it's websites or social or either way? Yeah, uh, I'm pretty easy. MyLittleMascaraClub.com or Christy at if you want to be fancy. You just have to figure out how to spell Christy. So there's a little mystery left there. Yeah, I'm always happy to connect. And I think also LinkedIn, I'm always really easy to connect with there. I like to make sure that I can help people out in whatever way possible. Perfect. You can get a hold of us. You can email me, of course, call, but we do have a website. Um, Now that we have three locations, um, you know, you can go to our main website and um, type in the zip code or the city, or you can do um, teamlogicit.com backslash Central Phoenix. Um, and all of our information is there. And um, yeah, you can learn more about um, how we can help you grow your business through technology. And I love to talk to people about cybersecurity issues because it's a huge problem and it's not getting any better. And every time someone has a rebuttal, I have one back for them. <laughs> well, thank you, Christy Kerner and Nabil Ansarov and Jennifer Burwell for being on the show today. What a great conversation. Yeah, thank you. It was awesome. 
And until next time, thank you for being an awesome part of our community. Thank Thank you. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you for listening to the Max 6 Community Connection radio show and podcast with your hosts, Jennifer Burwell and Kyle McIntosh. We are off to continue building better communities where people and businesses thrive and telling the stories of capitalism as a force for good through the businesses that we serve. To be a part of the conversation, join us for a tour of the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center in Tempe, Arizona, or find us at max6.com.